Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Kona Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. I am here today with uh, one of my one of my regulars, one of my favorite guests, Ingrid Johnson. Ingrid is a certified cat behavior consultant. She is so practical, so pragmatic, so how-to. I just love it. Uh, we're talking about feeding a prescription diet to one cat in a multi-cat family and um, getting cats to eat the diet that they're supposed to eat and not the diet that other cats are supposed to eat. We also get into food puzzles and foraging and environmental enrichment and all the stuff that Ingrid does so well. Super fun episode. Really great uh, thinking episode. Gets you, gets you into the right headspace for talking effectively with cat clients and with enjoying cats and their natural behaviors more. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome, welcome, Ingrid Johnson. It's good to have you back. Thanks for being here. Hi there. Oh man, I uh, I love having you on the show. I love talking cats and cat behaviors. Um, uh, you you're so enthusiastic about about cats and cats in practice, and you're so positive. And I just you you get me fired up to to do more with cats. And like I just I love it. I really appreciate that you do that. I have what is probably a very common cat problem from the clinic. I have a um, I have a senior cat that is on a prescription renal diet. There are multiple cats in the household and this senior cat continues to sneak away like a bad senior citizen and eat the cat, uh, the other cat's food, right? There's a kitten and they've got kitten food and my renal cat really likes the kitten food. And I say to the owners, we might have to put everybody on the renal diet. And they go, this is, this is a, yeah, this is a financial decision. Like we are, we're digging deep to do a prescription diet with this cat. And uh, we, you know, we can't, we can't just throw renal diet at everybody. We need, uh, we need to have them on their own and we need to protect and we need to get them to eat their food and protect their food from everybody else. And so I just want to ask you, how, how do you treat that? Like, how do we, how do we take a, a group of cats and sort them so that the diets that need to get consumed by certain cats get consumed by certain cats. Excellent question. How much time do we have? <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so if, if you know, for, for those who have been listening and know that I'm such a big proponent of foraging and food puzzle toys, that is actually one of the ways that we can help control this. I would highly recommend that all of the young cats in the house only have access to dry food in their food puzzles and their foraging toys. And that could be an adult diet, um, but whatever the owner has previously been feeding. I'm a big fan of feeding dental kibble that way. So it's good for their teeth, designed to make them crunch, mimics prey and crunching through flesh and feathers and bone. And, you know, if the senior walked over to the food puzzle at 18 and wanted to bat around and eat a couple pieces of dental kibble, well, cheer them on because that's awesome, right. you know? Yeah. But I would then one of two things we can either cater to the senior if our if our schedule and our lifestyle allows for offering many small meals throughout the day in a covered dish that we keep fresh and we offer that senior lots of access to food but controlling access to their basic needs like food can create stress so i prefer 
that the senior cat is trained to using a SureFeed, which is the microchip uh, feeder. Are you familiar with a SureFeed? Yeah, I am. I am. Made by SureFlap.com. Yeah. Um, unpack that. Yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about microchip feeders real quick. So, yeah. So give me give me the basic one on one on microchip feeders uh, availability, what you're looking for in a microchip feeder, how they're used. I, I don't know that everybody is uh, is familiar with these. Okay. Yeah. So SureFlap.com makes what's called the SureFeed. And there's a couple versions of the SureFeed. At our office, we actually carry the, the kind of the base model where they approach the device, it's scanned to their chip, and so the device opens for them and they can freely eat from it. But there's a more upscale version of that that actually measures the food. It has an app that correlates with your phone, and you can know exactly how much volume your cat has ingested throughout the day. So that's really nice for people who are worried that their cat may not be eating enough um, or maybe mm -hmm. eating too much. But... Um, mostly for those seniors that we really need to make sure they're getting enough calories and enough uh, quantity. That's really nice. And they're just coming out with a brand new product actually now. I think it's called Filacqua or Filacqua. I'm not quite yeah, sure. No, I'm familiar. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's going to measure yeah, yeah, their um, water intake. Now, that's great, but of course it's limiting. If you've got multiple cat household, you should absolutely have multiple water bowls. And they're probably not all going to be the same. So it will be hard to know who's drinking from what source. But I suppose if they're all these microchip water bowls, then, you know, you could very well have a good handle on it. But nonetheless, um, having the senior cat have access to a sure feed with maybe canned and dry, because you've got a little split bowl where you can do canned and dry on each side, keeps the food fresh. And while it's not included in the manual, you can actually contact SureFeed and they will guide you through um, intruder mode and force lid closed mode to thwart the food pirating that comes with it. And while it's just called, I think they just call it like a safety shield or something, but I call it the food pirate shield that actually yeah. goes across the back of the device so they can't get in. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with it, but so they can't get their head between the door and the little thing that scans the microchip because boy, are they crafty. <laughs> it's not perfect. It's just close. <laughs> no, no. Well, so let's have it. The, the feel aqua is coming out. My understanding is that it's got like a scale to measure the weight of the water so it can tell how much is consumed. And so it pairs up the decrease in the weight of the bowl with the microchip being scanned. So even if you have you know other cats drinking from the bowl, it will let you know, hey, this water was consumed and not by the microchip cat. And so if you have two cats, you can even sort of uh, process of elimination, unless you have like a, a toddler that's drinking from it. And then, you know, you're like, wow, we're really going through water. But, uh, but like yeah, in my they... household, I have nine water sources. And so I'm not going to make all of them be the falaqua because, you know, I want them to have their, they might have a different shape bowl that they like. They may have a bowl preference location. So it would be an adjunct thing in a household like mine, but not the, the only water source. Hey guys, I just want to jump in here real quick and give you some updates I got. I got two for you today. Number one, uh, if you're looking for something fun to do at a staff meeting, if you're looking for a very fast team building exercise to get your people to laugh together, to talk together, to just to be more interactive, just to talk back with you at the staff meeting so that you feel like they're not sitting there while you're talking at them, uh, you're trying to do an icebreaker to get the meeting up and going and get people collaborating and communicating. Guys, I got something for you. It is a card game. It is 
the new Dr. Andy Rourke card game. It's called What's on My Scrubs. It is super fun and super funny. It is for the whole team to play together. It can be played in as little as 10 minutes. It can be played for as long as an hour. It is uh, all about just have something that you can whip out, do, laugh, uh, and then go on. So anyway, super customizable, super tailored to the time that you have for it. But it really is the easiest team building exercise that there is out there. Head over to DrAndyRourke.com to check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. And then over on the Uncharted veterinary conference side of the house. If you are about getting stuff done, Sanani Ratnayaka, who is a fantastic speaker and a wonderful person, is doing a half-day workshop uh, on August the 14th. It's called The Secret Sauce to Optimizing Workflow. Sanani is all about getting things done and doing them in an efficient way. She's also a great culture person. She makes this uh, not a horrible experience, but she makes it something fun where your team is going to feel good about getting work done. Again, it's uh, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 8 a.m. to noon Pacific on August the 14th. This is free to Uncharted members. It is $199 to the public. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. You can find that at UnchartedVet.com. Guys, that is, uh, that's it from me. Let's get back into this episode. So to summarize so far, we're saying, you know, hey, uh, there are great feeders specifically designed to limit who gets to eat from this bowl and who does not. And those are 100% worth uh, investigating and seeing what works in the house. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Training them to that is fantastic. Cool. I like it. So um, so we talked about foraging and young cats. Uh, we talked about different uh, locations of feeders. We talked about feeding bowls. Uh, other tips or approaches for separating uh, cats for different diets? Well, so... Most people feed, if, if they're feeding canned food, they'll often give that, you know, like twice a day. And that is in many cases, not all, but it's often consumed in that sitting. And so if they can just separate the cats into different feeding stations where they're far enough apart that they can't even see each other, that's going to help yeah. with, you know, giving that kidney canned food to the senior and let them eat at will. Because um, they really shouldn't even be able to visualize each other while they're having a meal. That's super stressful. So we line them all up in the kitchen and make them all eat their separate things. I don't care if one's on the bar and one's over here on the floor and the other one's on the other side of the island. It's too close. It's too close for comfort. Remember, they're not family style eaters. They hunt and eat alone. Um, they want to go through the drive through and eat in their car. They don't want to have a family style meal. So um, we got to spread out those mm. feeding stations and give that senior the time that they need to consume their portion. And then, like I said, either catering via room service if you're home or the the microchip feeder allows for free feeding of like the dry throughout the day. No, that that makes a ton of sense. We've talked about that before uh, in a previous episode. And I always think it's a good point. I think I think I'll, I think even like cat food ads have normalized multiple cats coming together to kind of eat. And I think there's this this sort of uh the the sort of a family narrative of oh we're all they're brothers and they love each other and they eat together and and yeah it, it it's kind of counter to what to what's actually probably the best as far as we set this up what are some other uh what are some other myths or what are some other common uh mistakes that you see just in general feeding of multiple cat families uh too much restriction so the cats are hungry and frustrated and they're not given free access to where they can control access to their basic needs. It creates a lot of behavior problems and a lot of stress and anxiety. We have to remember that they eat nine to 16 small meals a day. Their stomach's about the size of a ping pong ball. So they've got to have that free access, which is where the food puzzles come in. They have access. It's just, they have to have some effort 
to do it, you know? Um, yeah. So feeding twice a day is super stressful and also will result in what we talked about during the foraging episode, the scarf and barf, because we're creating yep. so much anxiety. They're eating so much food so quickly. Their stomach's not designed to hold it all. Um, and then of course the opposite, um, just the giant trough, you know, they've got one food bowl, but it's the size of like a Great Dane's water bowl and they're just grazing on that and they're all 20 pounds and diabetic. Um, and to that point, you know, if finances weren't a concern, I think that's one thing that we should address too, is that if you have a diabetic cat in the house and they do need to eat high protein, low carb, well, the whole household can probably benefit from that just as well. You know, we know cats with kidney disease can yeah. tolerate more protein than we previously thought, right? So um, that even, even the seniors can probably tolerate that. And a lot of these cats at our office anyway, we're putting them on the high protein, low carb prescription foods just to get facilitate weight loss. Um, so it is perfectly safe. The whole household, if finances weren't a concern, could transition to foraging just for high protein, low carb. Um, but I think the yeah. other point that we really need to make with the kidney food is that, you know, we can't have a nine month old cat eating that 18 year old's kidney food because we're going to make struvites with that. We have to be right, careful right. and totally. reward the client. Right. No, I, I think I think that's what makes this particular case challenging is we've got this young cat that's really muscling in on that on that food. And, you know, we, we talked about it on the scarf and barf cat, which I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It was, it was really a, a fantastic episode. It's one of our most popular episodes, honestly. Um, we talked about. Yeah, we talked about the food puzzles on that and we went into some depth just for people who are listening to this and who are saying, what she's saying, we shouldn't restrict access. And they're thinking about all the overweight cats that they see during the day. And they're like, this is a terrible idea. Give me the, um, give me the, yeah, give me the basics. Give me a, a, a quick argument for uh, unrestricted feeding and kind of what that looks like so that people go, oh, okay, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. So um, again, finding the happy medium between free feeding and really strict meal feeding is having dry access and foraging toys 24 seven, 365. But the key is that those toys, as the cat learns how to play the game and understands the concept of working for their food, those toys have to get incredibly challenging. And there is a post on my website called So You Think You Have a Master Forager. And it's actually all about doubling up the toys, what I call double stuffing and putting small foraging toys inside large ones, hiding food puzzles around the house, making the toys as challenging as possible so that it may be small puzzles that don't hold a lot of kibble, um, but really keep the cat working throughout the day. So they can, they, they can have access whenever they want, which creates comfort, decreases stress, um, but also keeps their waistline in check, especially if we're putting something in there that's geared towards their waistline, like a high protein, low carb diet or like a metabolic diet or something like that. Yeah. That, no, I I think that's fantastic. I I love the work you do with uh with fundamentally feline and the, and the and the food puzzles and I and I love the idea of hiding one puzzle inside of another puzzle uh, and really making it work. I think I think a lot of times I, I don't think most of us are really aware of how capable these cats can be of cracking these puzzles of getting the food that they need. Um, you know I see pet owners all the time and they're like, "You want me to put his food inside of another?" Th- thing and he's not able to get directly to it and they i i kind of have to sell him on the idea and it's like oh no this is not going to be a problem for him like what what we're starting you off with is going to be uh it's going to be a cakewalk talk, talk a little bit about your level of puzzles because I, I think you, you touched on that a moment ago but um for those who are sort of hearing this for the first time talk about talk about the, the challenge levels and and sort of how they how they work in your mind 
So you're going to start with easy objects. And an easy object is going to be qualified by, you know, round, clear, multiple holes for the kibble to dispense from. And that's going to be great for your 18-year-old senior. You know, make it easy. Let the food gush out. And then as they get better at the game, the holes decrease in the object. The object maybe becomes opaque. So we have no longer a visual cue. We go by scent and learned previous experience. And then eventually we get to things that are nubby and bumpy and they don't roll so well. And they're really erratic or they're cubes. And we have to learn to flip the cubes. And then once that's been mastered, that's when we start the double stuffing. That's when we take like one of my little foraging ping pongs and we put it inside a cube. So you have to manipulate that cube to get food out of two objects at once. And then there's a whole other concept of um, the stationary foraging puzzles. And I do find that those are better for the slow starters, the seniors, the handicapped cats, you know, your paralyzed cats, your three-legged cats, um, your really arthritic kitties. And they learn to just pull out the kibble from these little mazes or stationary foraging boards. And they can be made more challenging, but gotcha, they're, gotcha. they're a little bit more limiting than the rolling puzzles in my experience. Yeah. What do you mean limiting? You mean they, they restrict the amount that the cat can get? Is that what you're saying? Limiting in increasing the difficulty. You know, um, there's a couple things where we can, you know, put some like, I don't know if you're familiar with the toy called the Cadet Digger, where they have to reach their paws mm. down into these wells and dig the food out, like scooping it with their paw. Well, I'll make that more challenging by filling my foraging ping pong balls and dropping them down inside the wells. So they can do one of two things. They can spin the ping pong to just get the food to dispense and then remove it from the well, or they can just remove the ping pong ball and then start batting that around. But at least it adds an extra step, but that's not super hard. So a lot of these stationary toys they're it's a little hard to really slow them down. So in my own home, I kind of do what I call dusting the boards where I just take a little sprinkle of kibble and it's for novelty and something unique and different. But when the stationary toys are done, they're empty. You've got to go use the rolling puzzles. They're going to be more time consuming. Gotcha. No, I, 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 love, I love that. The variety of puzzles. That's fantastic. Ingrid, this has been uh, super helpful. I was going to say, I have no proof that cats <laughs> need different puzzles, Um, you know, every day. But I like to think that they're smart enough that they benefit from having those unique challenges. But there's no study done on that, that they need a new puzzle all the time. No, <laughs> it, it, it feels like fairly basic environmental enrichment to me. You know what I mean? Um. As far as just, you know, just mix it up on them. But yeah, anyway, I, I love it. I love what you do with this. Uh, thank you for being here. Where can uh, people find you online? Yeah, I'm at fundamentallyfeline.com. And I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you. And that is our episode. That's what we got for you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. If you did, please, please, please tell your friends and consider writing an honest review of the podcast at uh at itunes that that's always a wonderful gift for me it really does mean more than people than people think it does i i just i live for those pats on the back and and it's good to know that uh my team is working hard and making a difference and so we just you know we'd love to hear from you anyway guys take care of yourselves be well i'll talk to you next week bye